Good morning. I'm so glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. As you know, we're in the midst of a study of the book of Romans. We've been in the first chapter for a while. Over the last couple days, we've been looking at verses 16 and 17. I want to pick up the reading there, but we're going to be moving on today into verse 18. So here it is, Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed for faith, from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. As I said, we've been looking at verse 16 a bit over the last couple of days, talking about the power of the gospel. The gospel message, which is really scripture, those portions of the scriptures talking about Christ coming into this world, talking about our sin, talking about his death, talking about his resurrection. Those scriptures have power because they're God's word. That power allows the scripture to work within us. The core power that is in reference here is the power of the gospel itself to save those who believe. Yesterday we were talking about different approaches to try to seek before God to solve our unrighteousness dilemma, because all have sinned. Some try to establish their own righteousness, try to turn over a new leaf, try to do something to change and compensate for their failures and sin. It's a dead end, because we cannot turn that which is stained into an unstained condition. You can't change that which is unrighteous into something righteous. It just won't work. The second way, and the second solution, and the only solution, actually, is to take on the offer of Christ's righteousness to be credited to our lives. Paul talked about that in Philippians 3, and saying he wanted to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of his own, but the righteousness of Christ that was granted by faith. Why is all of this so important? Because everyone, due to their rebellion against God in their heart, is lost and in need of the gospel. Then the remainder now of chapter 1, going into chapter 2 and into chapter 3, in fact, is all given over to picking up on that particular point. God is taking the time to explain to us exactly why everyone needs the gospel. Why everyone needs the benefit of Christ's death on the cross on their behalf. People, everyone, truly is without hope and lost in this world, separated from God. The gospel, the good news, can't really be appreciated and understood unless we understand that pervasive fact that the scripture reveals to us. Let me put it a different way. Unless I'm persuaded I'm lost, I have no interest in being found. <laughs> I have to understand I'm lost before being found has some significance and importance to me. Well, that's the backdrop. Verses 16 and 17 summarizes that. Now, beginning in verse 18, which is really our focus for today, the focus 
shifts into underscoring the lostness, the dilemma of all people. The God of the scriptures, the God of this good news, this gospel, is a God who also holds us accountable before him. Notice how it puts it. For the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You and I must see God as he reveals himself to be. That's the whole purpose of the Bible. It is God's revelation. <laughs> of course, the last book of the Bible is called Revelation, and that's talking about the future. But all of the scripture is revelation. God taking the time to breathe out the truth to us, truth that we would never arrive at on our own. It's revealed truth. And as we turn to the word of God, we see God explaining to us through his self-revelation exactly what he's like. He, it helps to correct what we don't believe. It helps to make it clear that sometimes what we wish to think to be true about God isn't true about God. We have to accept God as he's revealed himself to be. And if we don't do that, then we are guilty of idolatry. Idolatry is defined as worshiping something other than or someone other than the true God. The scriptures are our self-revelation from the true God. If we have some images in our mind about God that don't align with the word of God, we're guilty of idolatry. We must not turn and rest in our own creations. Instead, we rest in revelation what God has revealed himself to be. Now, here is some of the revealed expression of God that we see in the scriptures. Some of the facts. Number one, that this God has good news for us because he is loving and merciful. It's the reason we have the gospel in the first place. It's the reason he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. <laughs> the scripture makes it plain to us that the God who's really there, far from being a disinterested creator, is the creator, but he's interested. He's vested in the world in which we find ourselves. He's loving so loving that he sent his own son to die for us. Why would he do that? Because he's merciful and he wants to be merciful to us. All of that is true about God. Now, when you share that with people, they like that message. They say, well, yeah, I kind of like a God like that. You know, he, he loves me despite myself. He, uh, he's merciful to me. I like, I like that God. Uh, yeah, I think I'll believe in that God. But the self-revelation of God in the scripture does more than that because it says, well, that is true of God. There's some other things that are true of God. And those things are these, that God, who is loving and merciful, is also holy, righteous, and just. Righteous, meaning he's without sin, without defect. Holy means that God is separated from, wholly separated from everything that is unholy, sinful. He is righteous without sin in himself. He is holy, having to be separated from that which would taint, that which is unrighteous. And it also, the scripture tells us, he is just. Being just 
He demand, the demand is there for accountability for sin. Evil in this world, justice would require have some sort of penalty tied to it. Otherwise, where's the justice? Here's the point. When God reveals through the scriptures the truths about himself, he's revealing an integrated whole. You can't have one part without the other parts. God is every part that we're just now talking about. God's justice is as real as his love and his mercy. His holiness is as real as his love and his mercy. His righteousness is as real as his love and his mercy. As a consequence, when we see God as he reveals himself to, in the scriptures, we understand the need for the gospel <laughs> because he is righteous, holy, and just. <clears throat> Something has to be done, excuse me, to deal with the accountability inevitable because of that. Hebrews 9 verses 27 and 28, which I've shared with you often, say, just as it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those eagerly waiting for him. <laughs> judgment is inescapable, just like death is inescapable. But thankfully, Christ has been offered as a solution to sin. And for those that have placed their faith in him, there is a solution to the accountability that the holiness and righteousness and justice of God requires. That is the beauty and the wonder of the gospel. The fact that the scripture unfolds for us is not only that we are all sinners, but that sin matters. We must account to God for the unrighteousness of our life. By the way, the word unrighteous literally means irreverent, not responding appropriately to the God who is really there. What's the appropriate response to the God who is really there? Well, Jesus gave us that. The first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. How many of you have done that? None of you. I haven't. And therefore, all of us fall short. All of us are irreverent in relationship to God, and therefore all are ungodly in relationship to God. Well, join me tomorrow as we continue to look at verse 18 and begin to move on from there as this picture God is going to great lengths to develop for us of our accountability due to our real sin is developed and helping us to understand why the gospel, the good news, is so important. Join me then, won't you? God bless.